right, it's good to be with you guys, as always. Please grab your Bibles. Go with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. All right, as I've been gracious, it's been an awesome honor to be here with you guys here at Saturday Night Supper Club. Um, I've been intentionally over the last, since the beginning of the year, trying to work through um, Jesus' view of what the church actually is. And so, just for our benefit as a review, if you've not had a chance to be here as we've covered some of this, I I first want to introduce the idea of how the Bible uses the term church. Um, Now, think about the day and age we live in. We say, let's go to church, and it's always in a location. And so then, because we see it as a place and a location, we act a certain way when we go to that building because that's church. When Jesus used the term, he actually used it when he was asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? And, you know, then some said, well, John the Baptist raised from the dead or one of the former prophets. He says, well, really, who do you say that I am? Peter says, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And And he says, well, you know, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, that term, church, only used twice in the New Testament. It actually means, from the culture in the day and age that it was written, it actually means that when a king wanted to rule in regions, he called his government officials to a meeting with him, and he would talk about how they were to discharge their authority in the region that the king had sent them. So when we say, I go to church, we see it as, well, I go there and I receive. From God's perspective, when we gather in his name, He sees you in your proper identity, which he's called you to rule and reign with him. And so you're his governmental authority on this planet. Isn't that interesting? That's how God looks at one of the pictures that he looks at us. And so the book of Ephesians, if you've had a chance to read it lately, it's a a book that Paul is writing to Ephesus to begin to talk to them about what is God's heart for the church? What is the idea of the church? Now, if all we see it is in the context of the day and age we live in, well, then we just come here, and the goal is to be blessed, and, then, and this is where we hide out from the fallen world, and then when we go back out there, we just try to endure so we can get back here and get another shot so we can go back out there. Well, that, that wasn't what Jesus was intending. Jesus wanted to actually have you know how he saw you, because from God's throne, this is how he's relating to you and I. And I I'm very grateful that Paul gave us what we call the seven pictures of the church, what, what God had intended for the church. And so I'm going to review, just kind of give you what they are here real quick, and then we're going to focus on one very specifically this evening. So the first picture that we have in the book of Ephesians is God has called us to be an assembly. And this, as I was describing, this is what we mean by the church. And so it means to understand that God has actually called us to come together who know Jesus Christ and learn to know each other after the Spirit and begin to relate to each other as brothers and sisters. God has called us into this reality. Number two, he's called us to be the body of Christ. And so he actually believes that he's the head and we're his body and we are to be led by him in our own personal life and as a community for the region that we live in. And if you guys have ever looked at that, That actually means that, have you guys thought about this? A lot of times, the body of Christ, we watch what God does in one location, and then we try to go there and get the plans that God has given them and bring it to the region that we live in. 
But what that would deny, I think you can always get, you need to pray and you need to connect with the Lord. You can get that anywhere you go in the body of Christ. But God has a strategic plan to reach your children, your family, and this community. And he does it with the people that live in that area. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Well, this is the idea. The body of Christ is being led by the Lord intentionally to have an impact in the place that God has them. You're also God's workmanship, which actually means that God is doing a work in you to form you to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the word for workman, and I, I haven't covered this, so I'm not going to do the whole teaching, is it's, the term isn't like building a building. The term for workmanship is the term for writing poetry. So when God says you are his, his work or you're, he's making you a workman, it's the idea that God is making your life like a, a story or a song or like poetry. It has a rhythm to it. And, and can you imagine? Your life is like music. It's like the song of heaven is being weaved into your life. And the body of Christ, there's this song that comes from heaven that it actually is to sing among the community that God has called us to live in. I found that fascinating as I was looking at that, but we're not covering that completely this evening. The next picture we have is God has called us to be a family. Now, I don't know if you guys call each other brothers and sisters. Most of us feel foreign to that because that sounds like what they used to do in the 50s, but that's actually biblical language. Uh, if, we, if you know Christ and I know Christ, you guys get it? We're going to spend forever with each other. Uh, hopefully that doesn't scare some of you. We're actually going to spend forever with each other. And in God's eyes, we are family, and God wants us to... Now, think about this. He doesn't want us to learn to love like our original family does if it's dysfunctional. He's trying to teach us how family is actually to work and to relate to each other. So, you guys ready? This is kind of, in a sense, an incubator on how healthy families function, the churches. So when you, you experience brokenness in your original family or you see brokennesses in families, this is to become the place where God says, well, because I'm a father, I want you to learn the values of loving and trusting each other and honoring each other. I want you to make these because I want a healthy family represented here on earth. And then the, we have another example. We have the idea that God has called us to actually be the temple of the Lord. We are the temple of the Lord, which means in the Old Testament, the temple resided in a building. Now, the Holy Spirit resides in people. And so, do you guys get the idea? If this is how Ephesians talks about the church, this idea that God is in a building is ridiculous because God is in a people. He's in a family. And so, wherever we go, that's church. Because the idea of meeting with God in the temple or this building was that's where God's manifest presence was. Well, now it's not in locations, it's in a people, and it's with us. And the one we're going to look at tonight is the bride of Christ. What does it mean to actually, so God calls us his bride. And for most men in here, I don't think they'd be excited about that, but there's a reality that Jesus wants you to know. And then I'm going to give you the last one, and that's why we're going to cover it. The last one is you've been called to be an army. So there's a part where language of an army comes about in the book of Ephesians and describes that you and I are also this before God. And so think about this beautiful picture we get out of Ephesians. These things are what God sees us as. This is how God relates to us when we gather in his name. And let's just focus our attention very specifically on the bride of Christ. We are called the bride of Christ. So in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 27, let's go ahead and look at it here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 27. 
Husbands, love your wives. <laughs> Even as Christ has loved the assembly and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it, having cleansed it by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present the assembly to himself glorious, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, what we are going to have here is we're going to have God, uh, Paul is now taking a natural picture and saying, this, this idea of marriage and husbands and wife, is a reflection of Christ with the church. And so, this is amazing to me. And who created the idea of marriage? God did. So the idea of what marriage was came from God. He set it apart. And there's a reality to why he caused marriage to come into existence. Marriage was, the, there are two forms of the highest forms of healthy relationship that we experience on this side of eternity. The first one is called family, and the second one is called marriage. And when those two pictures in a society get confused, messed up, or we violate what God is trying to do, what happens is, is it sows into relationships, whether it's with another person or with our children in a family, what it does is it sows uh, discouragement, dissent, and discord if we don't uh, model it the way the Lord is looking for. That's why it's kind of sad in the last 50 years, in this country at least, we've had such a destruction of the human family. Marriages, which is a covenant, uh, is to be honored by the Lord, and yet most people don't honor that covenant, and there's breakage in this. And then what happens is, is as people start having children, uh, if people aren't taught by the Lord how to actually raise children the way God wants, children begin to look at marriages and they say, well, because there's no representation of honor and respect and those kind of things, and everyone just acts childish, I guess there's no value in it. And so what happens is, is people get modeled incorrectly, and then they miss what Christ is trying to show them. So let's take the husband's role. Husbands are to love wives. What is the role of men in marriage? It's kind of scary, isn't it? When you study love, have you guys ever had the joy of just studying love biblically? There are stages of love. There are stages of love. There's an immature stage. There's a progressive stage. And there's, there's a mature expression of what love is. Now, are you guys ready? The highest form of love in the Bible is not being self-centered and sucking it into yourself. That's the first form of love. God loved us. We love because God first loved us. So as an infant, you have to be a person that knows how to receive love. But after you begin to be nurtured by love, it should cause you to start maturing that that kind of love that is going to be poured to you from God is going to be consistently given to you your whole entire life so that you can move to a place of not just taking it in all the time, but now beginning to look outside of being full of love and start seeing other people as worthy of love and now turn your attention to pour that into them. And so when we talk about stages of God's love, Men and women's, but I'm working on guys first, men have to learn how to be loved by God before they try to do this for their wives. Now, what's the model that's given to us in the day and age? What, what is a man? 
I think the quintessential picture that has been given to you and I of what a man is, is this character that was developed in the 1960s, and it was about traveling in space. And the quintessential man that has been now promoted for the last 50 years in our culture is either Spock or John Wayne. And so this idea, well, Brian, I hate when you go here because now you're going to talk about feelings and you're going to talk about relating, and I just want to be in the wilderness shooting animals, or I just want to be logical and act like I have no emotions. All right, so let's work through this. The Bible commands men to love their wives. Okay, so what does that actually look like? That actually means that you cannot walk into the relationship with your wife and expect it's her job to nurture you in love. You can only get that from the Lord. So as a man, you have to actually learn how to draw near to God and let God love you. Um, It's kind of hard to say this, isn't it? Because when we talk about what love is and the idea of the bride of Christ, it, it all revolves around how well you and I receive the love of God. So there are three, I told you about the three things. There are three ways you know if your heart is alive to receive love. Okay, the first one is this. Do you first and foremost let God love you? When I ask, I am always asking people all around the country, do you actually let God love you? Most people look at me like, what does that even mean? That means that God is actually so real, he can make himself so real to us because he's the example of what a husband is to be, he can so nurture us that we actually have to take seasons of letting God love us, and we have to stay there and let ourselves be loved, instead of thinking Christianity is about task, orientation, and rules. So here, you have to learn how to be be loved properly before you can love your spouse properly. You actually take, how do I love, by how God loves you. So that's the idea that the Bible is now giving. Husbands are to love their wives. So husbands are supposed to say, well, how? How am I supposed to love them? And and we have now Christ loving you as the example of what a husband is supposed to do to love a wife. How does God love you? He pursues you, intentionally meets you, and he serves you. What are husbands supposed to do? Pursue their wives, intentionally love them, and serve them. Not sit around and work and then come home and go, give me a beer. I want to watch the Broncos lose a football game. <laughs> now, because we, we just have this idea that the main role of men is to just provide and not be there in any other way, you have women that are now in this relationship with basically dead weight. And what they're struggling with is, They don't see an example of who Christ is in the natural, and then they're confused what marriage is supposed to be like. It is not the woman's job to lead the family. It is not the woman's job to uh, introduce spiritual reality. It is the father's job to do these things. It's the husband's job. Have you guys recognized the culture we live in? We, We have media and everything coming after us where men are kind of the whipping thing of the culture. They're the joke. We watch them on sitcom, they're the idiots. They don't know what they're doing on the planet. And so there's this thing that are coming after men, and I understand we think that's funny and stuff, but the church has to give a proper example of what God actually believes a man is supposed to be like. It's the reflection of who Christ is. You know, uh, 
I, I hear this being said all the time in the body of Christ. Women are like, I, I don't like this idea of submission. Well, the reason why it's not a very well-liked idea in the body of Christ is because the way men model themselves, why would you want to submit to that? All right, so it sounds like I'm getting kind of intense. So let's keep moving on. So men are to love, they're to show devotion, and they're to pray for their family. Um, let's see if I can say this as best I can. When, I, when my wife and I first got married, we came from broken, divorced families. And so we were just clueless on what this even looked like to be in a relationship. I mean, seriously. And I, I had several crises when I first got married to my wife, Kelly. Um, I kept finding myself not having an, a clue what to do. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't, when we started having kids, I don't know how to be a father because I had none of this modeling when I was growing up because I came from a broken family. My wife came from a broken family. You know, normal America. And so I kept having these crisis experiences, and instead of turning to what does the culture do, I decided to turn to the Lord and start asking him, well, what does it actually mean to be a man? What does it mean to actually be a husband? And what does it actually mean to be a father? And I feel like over the last 25 years, all I've been is on a learning curve of what that actually looks like. But let me give you this. Sometimes we can't relate properly because we can't see people the way that Christ does. One time my, my wife, um, I was putting, we had three kids, small kids. My wife said, I want to go to church and just worship. And I'm like, okay, go ahead. I'll just stay home with the kids and I'll just read a book or do something like that. And so she takes off and goes to church. I get before the Lord and the Lord actually draws near to me. This is, now you guys ready? Uh, God has been kind to show me a lot of things, but I actually think this is one of the most powerful things the Lord has ever showed me. I'm just waiting on the Lord and just trying to connect with him because I wanted to feel the nearness of his presence. And I have this vision of the Lord where he's showing me Kelly from his perspective. And she actually was in this vision in a wedding dress. And as I was looking at her, I actually started seeing Kelly from the Lord's perspective. And all these values and God's love that he had for my wife hit my heart and instead of thinking, now it's Kelly's job to wait on me and make sure I'm happy, all of a sudden I realize, here's this incredible gift that God has given me. My main goal is to honor her so she becomes who Christ says she's supposed to be. And I really don't think you can get that unless you ask God to tell you the person you're married to and let you see them from his perspective. Because you guys ready? We don't have the ability to love people the way God does unless God in encounters us and shows us how to do that. Are you guys with me? You're giving me the most interesting looks as I'm looking at you guys. So the husband-wife relationship is a reflection of Christ and the church. Now let's move to wives. If you guys are going, man, would you get on to the wives? All right, let's move on to the wives. So isn't this amazing? Everyone in this church, from God's perspective, you're considered the wife also. Not just the women in this room, all the men too, because remember, this is a reflection. This is a reflection of Christ with his church. So Christ is actually the bridegroom, and the body of Christ is the bride, as we see here in Ephesians. So would you guys look with me at Revelations 19, verse 6 through 8. And let's see what it says here. Now, this is almost going to shock you. The, the role of the wife isn't to just raise the kids and make sure the house is in order. Those are the things we, we talk about. But the reality of it is the wife's job to prepare herself to be wholehearted in relationship. 
Isn't that amazing to say that? What does it say here? I heard something like a voice of the great multitudes. This is Revelations 19, verse 6 through 8. And like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of a mighty thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be exceedingly glad, and let us give glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has readied herself. It was given her that she should array herself in bright, pure, fine linen. For linen is the acts of uh, righteous acts of the saints. Do you guys see it? I let God love me. I receive love in this concept. So the idea, you guys get it? The idea of marriage is the wife isn't to fill the gap everywhere. Guys want to be lazy. The idea is guys pour in love into the wives, and they prepare themselves to do acts of love that are righteous. Um, I, I, my wife's not traveling with me now. I think by the end of the year, she'll start, you'll actually start seeing my wife appear in meetings with me. But my wife and I talk periodically. She's, here's what she says about being married to me. She says, it's, this, I've heard her say this to my mom and just people, and I'm actually shocked. She goes, it's so easy to be married to Brian, which I guess is a compliment. She goes, he just doesn't require anything from me. He doesn't complain at me about anything. He doesn't demand anything from me. She says, whatever I feel God wants me to do or whatever is my desire, Brian comes in behind me and says, let's get you there. Now, what does that do in my relationship with Kelly, and how do we relate to each other when that's my goal for my wife? My wife doesn't have a problem honoring me because I'm already modeling honoring her. I don't sit there and go, now look, if you're going to be a godly life, you serve me. No, we serve each other because we just want to do acts of expression of love because we, we honor and value the idea of loving each other. Now, you guys... We didn't get this because we're clever. We got this because we started seeing this is how God views us before him. This is, if this is how Christ treats me, why wouldn't we treat each other this way? Now, isn't it amazing? This is Ephesians, but here we are talking about how to actually relate to each other. So what does this mean for wives or for women in general? They're to array themselves with Bright, pure, fine linen. So what does that have to do? It means that we develop purity of love in our hearts by the acts that we do towards people. What? So, let's develop this. There's two ways that the concept, uh, and actually specifically in a book of Ephesians, there's two ways that the term righteousness is used, especially in Ephesians. And it's one of the most beautiful things that God can actually teach on but the word for righteousness, dichoresis, has two forms. All right? So, uh, dichoresis means an abstract or a righteousness that is pronounced. God pronounces you righteous in his sight. It's not something you do. It's something he pronounces over you. So, think about this. The love of God says, when someone honors me and accepts me and says, I have nothing over you, I just want to love you, it awakens something inside the, the soul of humanity, both men and women, to where because they're being nurtured so deeply in the idea that I am accepted, it awakens my heart to now want to serve. Do you guys serve God out of fear? 
oh, what is God going to do with me if I don't do this? That's not where God wants you. You're supposed to serve out of a response of God's goodness constantly engaging you. Um, I don't know if you're ever like this, but a lot of people, as they rise up into leadership, they feel an obligation to serve instead of a joy to serve. And we've, we've gotten it backwards. The call to serve is actually stepping into a new dimension that God is saying, if you're going to serve my family, you've been ordained to receive a level of love that they're not in because you've taken on a responsibility of me loving you deeper so that you can give it away. Isn't that interesting? So one form of righteousness, God pronounces it, and he imputes it to us and says, this is who you are. And then we live out of that acceptance, and we express acts of righteousness. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't sit around and analyze if I'm doing this anymore. I just love God, and I want to love on people. Really, if it boils down to it, that's what it gets down to. I just want to, I can see what love does to people. I can see what God's love does to me, and I can see that when I give it to people, without any strings, just like God doesn't give it in any strings, how it awakens people. You and I are formed in the image of God. We're most satisfied when the love of God is meeting us, engaging us, and drawing us. And when that connects with a very deep level of who you are, it's so thrilling, so dynamic, and so stunning, you have to give it away to someone else. It's literally like it so shocks you and so fills you at the same time that you realize everyone should be experiencing this, and then you become this intense person that's on a love crusade. (laughs) You guys on a love crusade right now? See, I don't sit around, oh, should I actually act like a Christian? Now it's more like, how do I, how do I, what I see in Jesus And this idea of being so connected with him in relationship, how do I give this away to everyone I know so that they get to experience a taste of the goodness of God as it's given me in my life? That should be, do you guys get it? When we gather in this room, this is what we are getting from him. He is showing us mercy. He is showing us health. He's showing us wholeness. He's giving everything that is good from his heart to you and I, and he's saying, now, don't worry if you're perfect at it. Just give it. Give it. So we grow with God when we prepare ourselves to express servanthood to people by loving them. We prepare ourselves as the bride of Christ. Women prepare themselves in their relationship. When their husbands are nurturing them with love, they express love back by serving. So you guys, women get a picture of serving, but it's not like guys aren't serving. They're to be the initiator, the women are to be the receiver, and then the the expressor. It's a beautiful picture if you think about it. It shows what Christ is doing with us. He loves us, and then it awakens us, and we love everyone among us. Don't miss the key. The key isn't the knowledge of it. The key is letting God pour his love into you. Focus your attention on letting Christ love me. Would you guys real quick turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 13? I think this gives us a great picture of this reality. Are you guys like I am? Sometimes I, I spend so much time studying theology and philosophy and church history and all this other stuff that I, I'm always focusing my attention on details instead of the big picture. The big picture of Christianity is God is a lover He has a bride that he's calling to a wedding in eternity, and all the human race is being given this invitation to marry the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And some people like it, and some people think, no, I, don't, I, I just don't want to have anything to do with them. And if, in Philippians, did I say Philippians? I want to make sure I said that to you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Look what it says here. Here's the big picture. How do we describe this marriage relationship? Well, it says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. Now, sometimes I ask people when it says that it is God's will, cause it is God's work in you to will and to do, most people stop right there. It's God's, it is God that is at work in you to will and to work. And then they forget the last part of it. It is God's work in you to will, to come into God's will, and to work what God has called you to do because his pleasure is upon you. That's why you're to walk out your salvation with fear and trembling, not because you're to be fearful of God. He's saying, recognize, God wants to pour his pleasure on you. You have been ordained in the pleasure of God. Have you taught on the pleasure of God here? Okay. Have you got anyone ever heard the concept of the pleasure of God? Okay, one person. So let me give you an illustration. How many of you ever heard of the movie Chariots of Fire? Remember the one scene that everybody quotes all the time? He says, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. Okay, now we think, oh, isn't that cool? I wish I could live like that. That's actually normal Christianity. Normal Christianity is I've been called into a relationship with Christ where I learn to live out of God's pleasure flowing in me and through me. And, I, and we, so we use the word love. I'm going to just switch it now to pleasure. I actually take the pleasure of God and I pour it on other people. It actually means that you and I were formed. That's what eternity is, is stepping into the fullness of the pleasure of God over us. This is what emanates out of the glory of God is his pleasure. He has to... Because it's, he's so full of it, he has to, uh, everything that comes in contact with him, he has to express love and pleasure over. That's why everything he creates, it says it's good. It's the pleasure of God to do this. So here now the Bible is saying, do you want to live in this joy? Do you want to live in this love? Step into a loving relationship and go, where's your love directing me? And then go do what he's directing you, and you'll stay in this atmosphere of the pleasure of God rest, resting on you. Gosh, I'm going to get kind of excited and run around the room here real quick, but think about this with me. What Jesus is offering you, you can't get it from people. You can't get it from really cool music. You can't get it from a fulfilling job. You cannot get this anyplace except Jesus. There is a pleasure that is forevermore in him, and when you are connected with he is about and his love being expressed to you and through you, life cannot get any better than that. You step into what Paul talks about. He says, man, there's something about knowing the excellency of Christ. He's not just saying, hey, this is some idea. It's a living reality. And it's my job, if I've experienced it, just like you, to get someone else to experience it. It's a contagious pleasure experience. Now, if you don't get the pleasure from Christ, guess where you'll go to get it? Every broken system of the world that cannot actually give that to you. Even in relationship, if you don't go for the pleasure of Christ first in your relationship with him, you'll go to your spouse and say, it's your job to give me only what Christ can give me. And what happens is you get irritated with them because they actually can't. That's not their responsibility. It's a couple's responsibility for both of us to be nurtured by the pleasure of God 
my wife is not coming into the pleasure of God. It's my job to focus my prayer and my attention so that she steps in it. If the husband is not walking in the pleasure of God, it's the wife's responsibility to pray and help them try to come in it because this is what a family is to be in, the pleasure of God. And then your children are supposed to see that and go, wow, why wouldn't I want to walk with Christ? Look at that life. You guys doing okay with me? Okay, let's look at another thing here. What is the relationship between the bridegroom and the bride? Uh, this is so fun. To, it's, a, it's just a statement, but just listen how wonderful this is. The relationship that Jesus has with us and the picture that he's trying to show us is that it is a mutual, unreserved commitment, first and, first and foremost, to each other. So it's the thing that we, in movies or in books or things that we talk about in relationships, God is the only person that I can give my total self to, and there's no regrets. He's that good at what he's, he's about. So you guys ready? You are not missing anything by giving more and more of yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you're not missing anything. All you have to do is live past 50, and you realize it doesn't matter what you do on this planet. That stuff can't satisfy you as much as walking with him unreserved. Um. Hopefully I'm staying on message, but just join me just for a moment as I express this to you. What are people looking at when they come among the body of Christ? This whole idea of the church, what are they looking for? They're looking for someone, they're trying to find, ready, pure love. What does pure love actually look like? A person that's purely in love, what are they like? Is that contagious? Is that only for a few? What does that actually look like? Well, the church is supposed to be that place where pure love is being expressed. That's why we're isn't it amazing we have to say this to each other? That's why we have to honor each other. That's why we have to forgive each other. That's why we have to be there for each other. We do this because this is the place where God says a mature, pure love is to be expressed because everybody is longing to experience it. The more we walk in that, the more people will be attracted to it because that's what they're longing for. Gosh, I'm getting hot. Okay, let's keep moving on. So Christ gave himself up for the church, not holding back anything. That's just unbelievable. He even poured out his lifeblood for us. And ready? That's what marriage is. That's what Jesus is giving as a picture. My goal, and and guys, I'm serious when I say this. My goal, I feel like from the Lord, my goal with anybody that I come in relationship, but especially the woman that I've made a covenant with to for 33 years, my goal is to present her to the Lord Jesus Christ as completely full of joy, fulfilling all that God has given her, and I feel like I'm not done until that takes place. So, check your heart as we're going to pray now. Check your heart with me. Do I receive the stages of God's love, and am I letting him nurture me? Am I letting that nurture of love not be just self-contained, but am I letting it fill me to where I'm satisfied, and then I'm giving it away to people? Do I hear that song that's coming out of heaven that says there's a different type of love, and you can walk in it the rest of your life? Would you guys turn your hearts with me before the Lord and let's ask him to meet us now?
Lord, we just give ourselves to you. You are ours, and we are yours. Anywhere inside of us that immaturity is stuck, anywhere where we need our mind changed on how we look at you, because you are good and you are loving, you know how to enter into that with us. We just say, if that's in us, Lord, we give you the right to have full access. We give ourselves to you, Lord. Fully. You have been good. We acknowledge that. We turn away from trying to always hold on to parts of ourselves. And we say in this marriage relationship, we are going to unreserved say yes to you. And I want to thank you that you have called us to this opportunity of your goodness and your pleasure over our lives both in a natural way with our family, but also with you. I just want to honor your goodness. Now, Lord, for my brothers and sisters, as you always do, bring your love and serve them with it. Inspire them by it and and open their eyes to see who you are and the people that you've called us to walk with. If, you're, if, we're, if they're married in this room, help them see their spouse from your perspective. Let us learn to be like you with this, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.